millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and hey. welcome to this special first of its kind Film Chat podcast. We have <laughs> other podcast guests. Um, we invited Jack and Tom from the Real Podic podcast. They're like some firebrand lefty guys. I don't really know anything about it, you know. Yeah, you you're a big lefty guy. I just uh, <laughs> I voted I voted Smith. I voted uh, that's not true. Y- Yvette Cooper and Owen Smith. Don't don't lie to our listeners. Don't try to make people turn off immediately <laughs> and not listen to the rest of it. No, I'm I'm Corbin all the way. Like, I know boy. you're not as I know you're not as plugged into left Twitter. You're you're listening to uh, film Twitter stuff mainly but uh yeah tom and jack they're both they're both firebrands they're both uh, furiously angry melting the slugs extremely slug my melt bros that kind of thing uh that's the sort of lingo that you probably didn't understand most of what they were talking about it's all this twitter stuff that you you know it's 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 beyond you so they're speaking japanese <laughs> uh but no they were great it's a pleasure to have them on they're going to appear uh relatively shortly we're recording this after the fact uh but we should warn you that we had a little bit of trouble uh with tom not him, but he'd be lovely, personally. But with his, uh, like, audio, because he couldn't personally uh, be, be in the room with us. So we had him in by Google Hangouts. And I don't know what they've been cooking up in Silicon Valley over at the Google headquarters, but it is not a good, you know, app. And it wasn't it wasn't working for us. Sort out, Google. So we've got a little bit of Tom, but Tom might not be as, you know, big a feature as you might want. But Jack was physically there. Google could not prevent him from speaking. And, uh, yeah, he was great. However... <laughs> But one of our reviews, they, they will, they briefly uh, will will be cut out. They won't appear because we're recording this later as well. This is like one of those narr- narratively creative podcast episodes. It's like the Inglorious Bastards of podcast episodes, you know? Yeah. Just it jumps backwards and forwards in, in chronology. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's genius. Danny, what is what is this podcast? It's probably, we're probably going to have some new listeners, people who are coming via Real Politic, the Real Politic fans, so we should explain to them what, what the podcast is all about. Certainly, I've got the perfect praises of what we're about. So Film Chat is a podcast all about Sam Foster, a young man who's developed an interest for murder after he encountered psychopath Patrick Bateman. To further study the subject, he enrolls at the University Department for Behavioral and Social Sciences under the expert leadership of former FBI agent Danny Moran. Very certain about himself, Sam has one single goal, to become the class assistant. It's a prestigious job, because anyone who has that position will be guaranteed employment at the FBI. But becoming class assistant is no easy task to accomplish. The first trouble arises when Secretary Gertie Fleck decides that he's too young for the position, and Gertie Fleck won't be the only victim on his journey to career success. Is what I would be saying, this was a adaptation of American Psycho 2, All-American Girl. 
starring Mila Kunis. Wow, didn't see that title coming. This is, in fact, just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran, and joining me is a sexy young nymphette who will kill or fuck anybody who stands in his way, Sam Foster. Um, hi, great description of me, very accurate. So this week we're reviewing one of the big releases of the year so far, a film all about an ancient creature that lives in a small town and strikes terror into the heart of conservative MPs. I'm, of course, referring to the documentary Dennis Skinner, Nature of the Beast, a rather gentle feature-length look at the veteran socialist and parliamentarian. We also review the minor budget horror film It, based on the Stephen King novel. Just to forewarn any listeners, our review will consist mainly of railing against political correctness for preventing the inclusion in the film of the book's extended adolescent orgy scene. The only thing scarier than a demonic clown is the stranglehold the lefty PC brigade has on our culture. I demand that Stephen King's inexplicable decision to include an orgy scene be respected. Uh, we're also going to talk about Spike Lee's upcoming movie about a black police officer who manages to infiltrate the KKK, disguising his skin colour by mainly speaking to them over the phone. Apparently that's a true story. The new Peter Strickland film about that most tiresome of horror cliches, A Cursed Dress, and Benedict Cumberbatch's decision to follow the time-honoured path of male film stars having a midlife crisis by making a boxing movie. All that should leave just enough time for me to pitch my latest scheme to prevent Brexit, a sequel to Love Actually called Remain Actually. Everyone in the original cast is visited by a ghost who shows them a horrifying vision of a post-Brexit Britain. The next day, they all meet up and decide to record a charity single packed with killer arguments against leaving the European Union, called God Only Knows Where I'd Be Without EU, in an effort to turn the tide of public opinion. Obviously, this works. It just works extremely well. Brexit is cancelled. Everyone knits daisies together into an enormous chain stretching the length of the land, uh, and they will hug each other and, you know, uh, Britain has returned to a place of beautiful prosperity and equality like it is, you know, now, that, now right now, now that we're in the EU. Sounds, sounds beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's going to do it. I think that's really going to do it. And Dennis Skinner will not be able to stop me. I know that some people are angry with him for voting with the government over this Brexit bill this week, but put that out of your mind if you're bothered by that, you know? It's not uh, mentioned in the documentary, and it hadn't happened by the time at the time we were reviewing it. So we don't, so don't bring it up. So don't bring I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. It had not happened yet, and so we're stepping back into the past now, uh, at a time when th- that vote had not yet taken place, and you know, going to be joined in a second by by Jack and Tom. you join we've put our arms across the podcast aisle to another podcast i say that like we're opposites in some way <laughs> the real politic podcast we're Hello. joined by jack and tom hi how you doing to be here um, oh, th- thanks for uh, thanks for coming on i was gonna say for those who don't know who you are but maybe you should introduce yourselves so you'd be better <laughs> at it than i am well, why should we listen to real po- why should we risk well, <laughs> well first and foremost you should because real politic is the most cathartic podcast on the left and also functions as a slug repellent your firebrands uh, angry uh, <laughs> scary guys we're extremely angry we're we're scary you're very physically guys. intimidating oh yeah oh yeah it's, it's a real the, it's, it's a real alpha podcast yeah it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, the, the uh, n- number one home of lad banter, not just on the left, but in the culture in general. It is, yeah. It's like the sort of left-wing, like, lad bible. 
audio experience. <laughs> is it is it reductive to describe you as a kind of like UK chapper trap house or is that? I I mean a lot of people say that, but actually we're the transatlantic Romaniacs. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I'm not enough on left wing Twitter to know what that means, but don't uh, worry, man. Like this is that's that's, okay. that's this is exactly why this is a synthesis of two separate worlds. You don't yeah. want to know what Romaniacs is. That's that's Ian Dunn's <laughs> podcast, Danny. Don't know if you're familiar with Ian Dunn. <laughs> no, he is well, your centrist dad. You never need you never need to be. Don't worry about it. He's completely <laughs> irrelevant. Um, so I got a or Danny and I got a message from uh, Jake Hoskins, our friend, earlier today, uh, who pointed us towards something which thrilled and excited me. Um, Seinfeld Current Day, which is a Twitter account which says imagine seinfeld was never cancelled and still nbc comedy program today that's their twitter bio <laughs> and still nbc comedy this is one of those russian bots isn't it it might be yeah i don't <laughs> it doesn't um it's not completely clear to me what they do normally because i'm not familiar with them mm. but they have launched a new venture called b move it this is a take on the pro hillary clinton media platform verit mm. danny are you familiar with verit no, but I know that Hillary keeps on going. She's still talking about Bernie, right? Just she's can't get over it. <laughs> she's got a uh, book out. Books come out. She's, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. Really, you know. Yeah, Clinton. She's sort of yeah. Shoulder. She's like back in the media spotlight. If I don't know if she ever really went away, but she's, no, she did. She went into the woods. Oh yeah, that's right. She <laughs> spent she spent some quite quite some time in the woods. She's emerged from the woods, written a book, um, and she also went on Twitter to officially endorse this thing called Verit, <laughs> which is a website founded by uh, the wife of a guy called Peter Dow, who's like a really hardcore pro Clinton dude. Um, he was, he's like a Lebanese war criminal or some shit. I don't entirely know his backstory. Uh, well, he was like, he yeah, he was in the Lebanese military or something, and then but then he's uh, it's quite a, it's quite an accusation of you. allegedly. Uh, he's killed people. He may or may not have killed. We don't allegedly. think it's confirmed whether he's actually killed people, but, but he certainly, he certainly goes Sanders, on a lot about his time in the army, who he really wants to kill. But anyway, so he was a, he was a big figure on like. Twitter and stuff. He's does he's he's always like having flame wars with the Bernie Bros. And yeah, stuff. he's a big time Hillary bro, big time Hillary stan. Yeah, he uh, he tweeted something the other day like those who call my uh, my defense of Hillary pathetic and loserish and stalkerish. You just don't understand loyalty. Something like that. Wow, big statement. I think I'm on their I think I'm on their Twitter page and is, is the description for it media for the sixty five point eight million. That's the one. It's the, that describes With a grand the total Clinton following of fifty nine thousand. So yes, truly speaking, for the, the sixty. They haven't all yet signed up to follow Verit on Twitter, but it's only a matter of time. So it's but it's it's truly <laughs> bizarre the concept of it. Uh, we'll get around to the B movie aspects in a minute, <laughs> but it's basically like media for people who voted for Clinton, and the premise is that they are excluded from mainstream media discourse. It's all Trump now. <laughs> Everyone hates Clinton. No one's listening to the to the Clinton voters. Sure. Yeah. And so they need their own space. And so what they have is a website which basically has images with quotes and facts which are verified with a code. And each image comes with its own Verit authentication code. And I don't know what the code is for, but you can sort of put the code into the website and it spits the image out. And it's supposed to be some kind of stamp of like, you know, fact checking or something. Sure. Of course. But they're not all facts. Some of them are just like Clinton quotes, like every child deserves a chance or something, you know, things like that. Wow. But you know, uh, center ground liberalism is empirically factually correct. And if that is your political ideology, well, it's not really an ideology. It's more just like a kind of rational decision that you've come to by looking at all the facts. That's true. Yeah. I mean, they, they love facts. 
they they like having stacks of facts. Yeah. It's basically like an Aaron Sorkin script that's been cut out into cards and printed, you know, and put on the internet. <laughs> um, and so anyway, so everyone was utterly baffled by Verity and it was widely mocked. And now the mockery has taken a B-movie related turn. And so if you go on bmovit.com, B-E-E-M-O-V-I-T.com, uh, you will find quotes from B-movie and over a picture of Jerry Seinfeld's character from B-movie, Barry B. Benson, with the verification codes added. Uh, such great quotes from B-movie as, have a great afternoon. <laughs> All right, take 10, everybody. Wrap it up, guys. I'm not making a major life decision during a production number things like that maybe I should be doing that in my Seinfeld voice I'm not making a major life production <laughs> yeah he's a lion too I was already a blood sucking parasite all I needed was a briefcase that, that, to be fair that's actually pretty good for the Democrats at the, end of, at the end of the movie Barry B. Benson becomes a lawyer or not at the end towards the end speaking, in the second act speaking of Seinfeld have you heard that uh, the ninth series of Curb Your Enthusiasm is starting in October Yes, I have. The first since uh, 2011, I think. Has it really been that long? Since yeah, Scott... it's been much too long. I think he just went away, did nothing and returned. He's just been visiting restaurants, dry cleaners, and... He's just building you know, up some good material. Some material. <laughs> material. He's getting yeah. into all kinds of awkward scrapes. He's just been rude to various different members of the service industry in an effort to <laughs> generate material for his TV show. I-, I thought the last season was strong, to be fair. It was, um, I mean, maybe not the strongest, but Palestinian Chicken was an all-time great episode. That was a great episode. That was a thoroughly enjoyable one. You were re- you were rewatching it recently, weren't you? Yeah, I think the problem with watching Kobe Fusionism, for me, is that... I find myself just becoming Larry David if I watch too much of it. Well, you I watch leave, like you I watch like six episodes and then yeah. I'm you know I go to buy something from the corner shop. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, maybe I get some polos <laughs> or whatever, you know. And like I know that's Jerry Seinfeld, but they're the same person in my head. They're kind of, they are very similar. Aren't they? You're just out, out there, you like go out and there's pretty, just some, some, good, you know, just keep on. There's some minor moment of social awkwardness, and you're just thinking like fuck you, this is unacceptable. And you're like, no, no, normally, if I wasn't watching Curb, I'd just go like, eh. I mean, <laughs> I'm a bit resentful of it, because I feel like I could just turn my general social angst into a hit comedy, surely? Like, I've got a, bu- I got a bunch of anxiety. You're not interesting. Could... You're not a millionaire, though. I'm not yeah, a millionaire. Yeah, not that, interesting. That's, I think that's what most comedians try to do. Like, I remember one fucking, uh, like, open mic night, the first... N- like, one of the first nights I was at uni, and I just went along, and it was just just guy after guy going up and making jokes about how they're not very good with girls <laughs> just over and over okay, again that. strong material uh, yeah and, uh, and after and you were like oh, are any like women going to come up and give their perspective on this whole whole thing or even on on some other issues other than just being like awkward in romantic situations little but, did you know he became the piano guy who uh, is not going to stop playing the piano until <laughs> he is uh... <laughs> That guy's Little like, did you know that was the guy? Did you hear about that news story? <laughs> he's yeah, like yeah. 35. Piano he's not guy. young and emotional. He's like a fucking like, middle-aged man. So is it non-stop, like, come rain or shine, day and night, pianoing? Or is it every day he's, he's going to go wait for a few day. hours? Is, what, is it some sort of David Blaine? Is he? He's like going to get in a bubble <laughs> sat above the tent. Well, that's what I'm asking. Is it like he goes the there like it's a nine-to-five job for him? Or is it like I'm here now with the piano? I respect him if he never leaves the piano. <laughs> yeah, if he did that, it'd be like... If he's, got a, if he's got a little like uh, bedpan or something, or like, yeah. you know... <laughs> yeah. Oh my if God. he shits his pants, he's playing he's playing he's shit. if he's shitting his pants, if that stool is a commode, <laughs> it's a stool stool. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's but, not true romance. But you know, realistically, like, yeah, a- a- any musician's got like 
their repertoire. You get some jam artists who can just play for hours and hours, but unless he's like the he was uh, back in, you know, he's like 500 years old, so maybe back in the day he was like the touring pianist for the Grateful Dead or something, but unless that's the case, you know, he'll play for a couple of hours and then he'll have like done all his licks, like done all his, his like main pieces, and he'll just be like going, you know, going through the motions <laughs> just like, oh fuck alright, here we go, like, uh, Mary had a little lamb again, dun 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 yeah. If he was like, if he was like house pianist for like Jimmy Fallon or whatever, you know, or the guys on Colbert, that guy's probably got a very large repertoire. I think he's too white to be on a late night talk show host band. <laughs> You're right. They need the sort of like black cool band to sort of offset how uh, lame they are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I reckon that's how Lowland should have ended. Just Ryan Gosling outside Emma Stone's house playing the piano <laughs> <laughs> until until she comes back. I don't know why, why they break up. I forget, but you just know, ends with a smash cut to the trailer for Moonlight. <laughs> Superhero films announced Casting rumours leaking out M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped Matt Damon's in a viral vid Michael Bay's made a mint That's the news that's fit to print should we should we discuss some news? Let's do some news, guys. News. How do you feel about news? I'm a big fan of it. News. Well, um, first of all, I I have something <laughs> that I, I want to bring attention to. Which... It's better be film related, man. <laughs> it, it is actually. It is. It's, it's um. Wait, hang on. Let me think. Let me think how to do this. I can't believe it's been five years since Danny Dyer couldn't believe it's been nearly 11 years since them slags smashed into the Twin Towers. It still freaks my nut out to this day. 9-11, Channel 4, 10 o'clock. I actually, I actually saw that it was the anniversary of... Uh... Of Danny Dyer's tweet the other day, which <laughs> is an all-time classic. Yeah. yeah, and of course, I think we need to remember this historic event when Danny Dyer logged on. When that when that tweet came out, it got counted, but uh, <laughs> it got absolutely counted. It, 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 it got absolutely counted. But I think uh, now, it's now, now it's now it's, it's, it's the film of the week. <laughs> <laughs> tweet of the week, wasn't it? <laughs> tweet, tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Time out. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. very similar to, in fact, the way that uh, Outlaw has been reappraised by prestigious critic it's critics, critics, critics. Um, in, Dr. Freud, <laughs> <laughs> including um, the Real Politic team in a forthcoming episode. Are you really going to talk about Outlaw? Yes. So. Oh yeah, we're gonna do Outlaw tenth anniversary. It's a film about a, it's a fucking country, isn't it? It's yeah. About a fucking, <laughs> fucking country. Like, man. It's about fucking paper you What fucking paper is it? It was reading? the end of the Dozy Blair Blair era. Cunts. It's about fucking hanging the nonces. It's about fucking Tony Blair. Yeah. <laughs> it's got it's got for movie has everything. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what they're actually saying about like Blair's Britain in the film. I they, think well, it's just Blair didn't stop the nonces. They don't execute enough <laughs> paedophiles. They don't execute the pedos enough. I think that's too many nonces running about. I'm pretty sure there is a scene of that where like it's Sean Bean who's the main character Danny Dyer just plays like some melt in it and like Sean Bean just like hangs some nonce from a tree or something quite right quite right that's what they deserve um, there's, there's there's a good bit in it when um, Bob Hoskins is listing the types of people they're gonna go after and it's like I can't remember exactly how it goes but one item on the list is cunts (laughs) it's like he's like I'm here to help you Brian I'll feed you pedophiles Dealers, bullies, cunts. That's a separate category that he's going to be dealing with. It's like at the start of Taxi Driver when his voiceover, he's like, oh, you know, the scum, the 
what, I don't know why I'm doing like the Danny Dyrax. It's like <laughs> yeah. the scum, the, scum, the yeah. cunts, the dogs. You it's fuckers, like if, you screwheads. Yeah. If he actually had like a Nixon slash Father Ted style enemies list divided up into like scum, cunts, dogs, and that's how Travis Bickle uh, <laughs> determined who he went for. Yeah. Well, as but Nick Love said himself, that like, in years to come, it's going to be looked back on in the same way that Taxi Driver was. He says it in the audio commentary, doesn't he? He says, you know, yeah. well, he correctly, Taxi Driver he came out, nails got the, cunted. Yeah. <laughs> got cunted. <laughs> and he knows that that will, you know, not be true of his film. But it's going to be, it's going to be seen as a classic, uh, as it deserves to be. See, so, um, five hammer and sickles from Real Politics. <laughs> <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch news. Now, a new segment oh, that we're Fucking introducing. Beanhead. Oh, uh, not a Cumber fan? Not a Cumber bitch? I, it's more just that I think, like so many members of the aristocracy, including uh, Jacob Rees Mogg, he does happen <laughs> to have a head shaped like a bean. He does have, but it's like a lot of people find his bean head quite attractive. Yeah, it's very interesting features. It does have interesting features. He, well, yeah, it's quite, kind of, quite an otter-like, uh, <laughs> otter-looking motherfucker. Absolutely. And an otter and a bean fuck. Benedict Cumberbatch is produced. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, despite your misgivings about his aristocratic appearance, he has, you know, been playing a lot of geniuses recently. He came <laughs> yeah. into prominence as a genius Sherlock, and they're like, I can play genius computer guy on Turing. I can play genius surgeon, Doctor Strange. I'm going to play uh, genius Edison or something. In the oh, yeah, current he war. Is, he is playing the genius He's always Edison. playing guys with uh, snappy dresses who are very smart. But he is trying to take a break from the aristocracy in terms of his cast and in terms of the characters he plays. And he is mm. going to play the patriarch of a traveling uh, family who wants his son to be a bare knuckle boxer. <laughs> uh, it's going to be directed by Morgan Matthews based on a script by Jimmy Graham, which is adapting a memoir by Mikey Walsh, who is the focus of the story, who is this young kid who was brought up to be a bare knuckle boxer and he didn't really want to do it. And it's all about the tensions in the Romany community. And okay. Cumberbatch is not playing a genius man in a suit, apparently. He's going to play the patriarch of this family. He might be very clever. Oh, he's uh, the patriarch. Is he not, <laughs> is he not the... Uh... He's not the kid. Uh, on the matter, Cumberbatch says, I was immediately drawn to Mikey's courageous and heartbreaking story, and his father, Frank, is unlike any character I've played before, which is true. He's a complex man, torn between tradition and his love for a son struggling to come to terms with an identity that's completely at odds with Frank and his culture. So it's kind of interesting. It's I was insane, thinking, yeah. like... Um, just in general, because so much of British cinema is quite class-based, we've got mm. like a lot of heritage cinema, and it's either like you know kitchen sink or ki- a kitchen sink or merchant people. ivory. Exactly, that's yeah. the sort of uh, perception of it. And I was wondering, like, how often do are people just stuck in the kind of characters of the class they belong to move to, a- and do they move back and forth? There's obviously exceptions to it. I feel like Mike Lee is someone who does both kind of period drama and social realism, and like he brings the same actors kind of. Up and down the classes, if you, I don't know how to yeah, phrase it yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. But um, other than that, I was thinking like the other examples of ones are like Ben Kingsley, oh, yeah. Sexy Beast, or Ray Fiennes in Bruges. But that's almost like stunt casting in a way. Like, yeah. The rod, so the rather person is. But now I don't. But now, the more I thought about, it, the more exceptions I thought, and my my point disintegrated because like people <laughs> like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are working class, but they just went to RADA and learned RP. Yeah. And ended up playing. But I, I don't know. I, I can't think of many examples of super no, think, posh people playing uh, working class people. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm. I think like the, the risk is that it kind of seems like posh guys slumming it, and it will seem like stunt casting. Yeah, 
The first thing that I thought of was the movie Snatch. Uh, maybe that just says more about me than... I was like, is yeah. he playing Brad Pitt's character from Snatch? Because <laughs> that would have that would have been great. But um, I mean, you you were saying something about um, the Benedict Cumberbatch's character in this film has to sort of uh, deal with the weight of his background. Yeah, um, I think Benedict Cumberbatch himself has had to do that to some extent. I found uh, a quote saying in a 2007 interview, he said his mother had urged him not to use his real name professionally fearing he could become a target for reparation suits by descendants of slaves. Wow, that was not... Exp- I was expecting it to be, like, fearing he could be teased or something. Yeah, I thought it was going to be... Because it's too silly. Because it's too silly, yeah. It's going to be the sort of I James Blunt, I get bullied for being posh kind of thing. Actually, yeah, it was more of a disadvantage for me than someone coming yeah. from a council estate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can vaguely remember this story coming out. It was around the same time as 12 Years a Slave, and he's sort of, you know... But he's in it, d- but his family owns slaves or something. Yeah, but he didn't want to, you know, shy away... Didn't do the Ben Affleck route of like trying to sweep it under the table. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tried to edit his own. Who do you think you are to get the slave owners out of there? <laughs> X nay on the eighth slave. Don't mention that. People won't like it. Mark Wahlberg petitioning whatever state it was to uh, remove his criminal record from when he like beat up some Vietnamese guy and blinded him. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Did he really do that? Racist abuse. I mean, yeah. both both things. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg's a fucking piece of shit, man. <laughs> like he was. To be fair, he was like some really, uh, really poor. Or, uh, drug addicted uh, street urchin <laughs> back in those days, but uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, I just like I like thinking of Mark Wahlberg, the urchin. But um, come on, look, let's it, be it honest. Was... Look, which which of us who falls on hard times wouldn't blind a Vietnamese yeah, man in a bar but fight? He totally did just like fuck up some Vietnamese guy, and then he wasn't allowed to set up like one of his restaurants in some state because of his criminal record. So he wrote to them saying, "Look, I've contributed a lot to the community. The Could state you... deserves a Wahlberger." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> could you could you please erase this from my record? Can I erase my records, man? Come on, man. Come on, man. Just <laughs> my Wahlburgers? Brilliant. You see me in the perfect storm? That's what he talks, isn't it? That's how Mark Wahlberg talks. He's the most successful actor of last year, financially. Oh, what, thanks to Transformers? and It's something because he takes a lot of um, producing credits on stuff. Yeah. So all this Peter Berg, <laughs> when he's like the average Joe in uh, recent oh, real life... Yeah, 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 yeah. Patriot yeah. movies. Like, he gets a point on the... Um, the gross so he's the most profitable actor of last year ah, but he can't set up a restaurant in some state because I mean, he blinded a Vietnamese <laughs> <laughs> it seems fair enough <laughs> yeah I mean I'm, I'm not going to argue with uh, that state's rights to use uh, no it a seems fair a loaded term keep that keep that man's uh, burgers out of whichever state it is that he's <laughs> trying to sell them in it's got them racist burgers hey everyone I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Speaking of racism, um, hell yeah, racism news now. So Spike Lee, he's had a sort of patchy career recently, but is coming off the back of Chirac, which I thought was really good. 
so I'm now assuming that all his future projects will be excellent. I like Chirac, yeah. It's a bit of a return to form after a patchy few years. Yeah, Spotify. I'm not much of a Lee head, as I believe the aficionados <laughs> of his Lee work bitch. are known. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've only, I've only seen a few of his movies, but I watched that one, I thought it was ace. But like his previous film, uh, which is called... Uh, Crooklyn or something and it was like really badly really, really oh, Crooklyn, was that the one that came, or was came like, out in the 90s I, I was like, what was the one uh, the sweet blood of De Jesus. De Jesus? Yeah, the sweet blood of Jesus the, the I think that's blood. it yeah something yeah. like that but yeah that everyone hated it kickstarted wasn't it was it really I th- yeah I think he uh, yeah he funded it via kickstarter and made it on a shoestring budget um, rather like the Dennis Skinner and that came out just after I think his old boy remake which was oh yeah people hated that as well I, I thought it just average I just didn't oh, really? didn't bring anything new to the table like uh wasn't wasn't awful but like i've seen old boy it's a good film like uh just yeah i didn't need to see the same what if josh brolin was eating a live octopus yeah. i think that's what i really want to see <laughs> yeah it was just the same better. thing like watered down slightly uh like i remember samuel L. jackson who beefed with spike lee for quite a few years being um being quite entertaining in that but maybe not necessarily that good just like he just gets killed in some brutal way <laughs> Oh, yeah. and I'm probably not. Up. I don't think I'm on it, and it's not one high on my list to uh, to watch. No, but that is not true of his new movie, which is getting right up there. It's this film called Black Klansman, which is going to be produced by Jordan Peele, who's also riding high after Get Out, which this was, was peak black cinema film, here, which was really great. So it's based on a 2014 book of the same name by a guy called Ron Stalworth. <laughs> it's an autobiographical recounting of Stalworth's time as a detective in Colorado Springs. In 1978, he responded to an recruitment ad for the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> Uh, despite being black yeah. and he enrolled as a member and rose through the ranks of the KKK <laughs> they, they loved him oh, wow um, and it says here um, this is according to the birth movie's death story most of his intelligence was gained over the phone but he sent a Caucasian cop in his place for any in-person meetings oh okay yeah that, that makes sense then but uh, <laughs> like you know how many I guess it, well, are these, are they have prescribed organisation officially the KKK mm, not, not, sure. Going, not sure they're definitely still go- they have a website um, you can just I, actually, like sign up. Like. There's multiple clans. Um, that they they sort of have had various splits, and uh, I think there's this main one that uh, it was at least at one point run by this guy called I think uh, Thomas Rob, Pastor Thomas Rob, and he tried to. Uh, put an acceptable face to the clan like he basically said no we're not tough job project he's not he said no we're not going to say the n-word anymore we don't hate black people we're just separatists so okay a lot of people in the clan weren't happy about this and went off (laughs) and went off and set up their own fact they separated yeah and in in john exactly the sdp of the clan (laughs) and and in john ronson's book them which is travels of extremists whatever it's called, uh, he meets Thomas Robb and finds him uh, quite an interesting kind of pathetic character. But all his subordinates in the clan, you know, as soon as they get away from the leadership, they're just like, N-word this, N-word that. You I'm know. shocked to hear that. Yeah, I'm they... shocked to hear <laughs> that they would dare to use such a word despite belonging to the Ku Klux Klan, the yeah. liberal wing of it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's an episode in, in the book where he's like bombing at a rally and then he just uh, he just goes straight up racist and uh, it all comes pouring out. Oh wow, he does like it's like the aristocrats or something. It's like he's not he's not going down well, so he's got to launch into some edgy material. Essentially, like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he uh, he eventually becomes the head of the local chapter somehow, despite never meeting any of the other people in person, except in the form of like a different guy. Oh, right. Um, and sabotages numerous hate crimes apparently, and it just sounds 
great. Whether he goes down a sort of heavy dramatic route or some kind of pulp, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. like black exploitation esque story. I don't know, but it sounds fucking great. And I, I love this. I that. just love the title Black Clansman. Just sounds awesome. It's a great title. And when you told me this story, at first it was like it's slightly ridiculous, but it's kind of totally in keeping with whatever. I don't really have much perception of the KKK, but they seem like both terrifying and like really stupid. Yeah. Like the whole mm. sort of like calling himself like the Grand Wizard and stuff. <laughs> the, like this sort of, the Cyclops, isn't the, like one of them is a Cyclops? Yeah, it's like yeah, they're sort of absurd. these. Uh, yeah. Dungeon and Dragons fans slash they're just larpers. They're just racist larpers. Yeah, they're racist larpers. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, That's the whole thing. It's kind of like Chris Morris's film Four Lions, where he shows quote unquote the dad's army side to Islamist terrorism. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, who knows? Spike Lee could take a kind of comic angle to it. It's a bit like the KKK in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art There as well. Yeah. Like comically incompetent, uh, silly, silly yeah. dudes. There was like, there's a recent like Vice series about some. This is a bad anecdote because I've forgotten all the details. But uh, yeah, <laughs> the bigger the better. The British uh, comedian who's second generation, not sure where he's from originally or his parents are from originally. Like going to like the south and they went to like a sort of KK rally and they set up all these swastikas to like burn, but like they didn't do them very well. So like <laughs> the swastikas aren't really swastikas and like they burn at the wrong speeds and they're all like just like around charting, but it's just like so lame. Like oh, can't man. even can't even burn a swastika. Imagine if you found a load of swastikas and you're just like, right, I don't, I don't, I, I don't like these. People around i'm gonna burn them and then you know you burn the swastikas to get rid of them this and then a, people are like it's actually, a clan yeah. rally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this happens to the best of us yeah that is a guaranteed plot in the new series of curb <laughs> Ooh, time for a break from all the film chat have a cup of tea maybe make a quick snack and telephone friends so you know where she's at that's enough now back to film chat so last friday this documentary dennis skinner nature of the beast was released on a limited released a limited released <laughs> on a limited release and it's a short 90 minute documentary about dennis skinner the mp for uh, bolsover bolsover i was about to say bolshever like, <laughs> combining bolshevik and uh bolsover <laughs> the mp since the early 70s Sem- and- 1970 fact-checking here, 1970. <laughs> and uh, he's quite a sort of uh, familiar character if you follow PMQs at all. He's always very straightforward, no-nonsense mm, guy. Yeah. And the documentary is kind of like a portrait of him. And he kind of embodies the kind of left movement from the mid-20th century onward, in a way, because he was a miner, he became a trade unionist, he became a councillor, he became an MP, and was there in the 70s when all this, you know, the battles between the trade unions and uh, the government really sort of kicked off and he was on the front lines for all of that and it's a sort of gentle portrait of a man yeah Mandarin of the yeah yeah it's it's about skin of a man isn't it it's not an exhaustive run through of uh, of his um political activity um throughout the years there it doesn't go through it uh, it doesn't go through at a breakneck speed like kind of other documentaries that have come out recently that are focused on labor is like uh, Tony Ben Will and Testament. It's sort of, it's very quaint and it takes its time. And I think it all works to the documentary's benefit in, in many ways as well. Yeah. I, I'd actually compare it to Tony Ben Will and Testament, which I do, I do think it's a better film than. Um, Tell us about that movie. What does that mean? Will and Testament is a documentary about Tony Ben that came out in 2014 and I think might have also, like uh, Nature of the Beast, been at least partially crowdfunded. And um, although Owen Hathaway has written about this much more articulately than me in his book, The Ministry of Nostalgia, um, where, but 
Will and Testament, I think, is quite a weak film. It's um, it succumbs to this kind of austerity nostalgia where it uh, positions Tony Benn as emblematic of everything pure and good in the Labour Party that was lost, you know, during the Thatcher and then the Blair era. And, and obviously it's much more complex than that because, you know, Labour's never been a straight-up socialist party. Um, even 1945, it's always been a coalition of the broad left. And... Um, Tony Benn was, even as a member of the, cap- the cabinet in the 1970s, he was coming to blows with the Labour leadership. And uh, it erases this whole kind of, all the factional struggles of the 1980s where, um, you know, where Tony Benn was challenging um, first uh, Dennis Healy for the Dennis leadership and then uh, for, Dennis, for, the de- for, the, for the Dennis leadership, for the Dennis leadership. which obviously <laughs> he couldn't win. No, exactly. Dennis Healy had that one sewn up. Skinner should have gone for it, man. Yeah, Skinner, why did Skinner <laughs> go for that? That would have been a real contest. If you've, um, if you've ever seen The Red and the Blue, he could have easily, like, in in because we've spoken about it before in Real Politics, but there's a great documentary that was done by Ken Loach in the early 80s, which focused on the Labour and Conservative conferences for 1982 or three was it 1982 or 83 jack was it i can't uh it was 82 and then the film came out in 83 and towards the end of that he's debating um neil kinnick at one of the 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 tribune um meetings during the conference and he's just absolutely just just wiping the floor with him so ben is he could have gone for it why not tribune is uh the sort of soft left faction in the parliamentary labor party um Back in those days, it was just the left faction. But then, uh, because of the rise of Benism, there was a split, and the MPs like Dennis Skinner, who were aligned with Tony Benn, went off to form something called the Campaign Group, and uh, Tribune lost its teeth and uh, is just like you know very sad and tragic what's happened to it now <laughs> but <laughs> as I was saying. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then later on in 88, Ben challenged uh, Neil Kinnock for the Labour leadership and lost pretty miserably, I think, with Jeremy Corbyn as his campaign manager. And, it was like uh, 80-odd percent to Kinnock, wasn't it? It was pretty, it was a bit of a drubbing, wasn't it? Yeah, but, um, so, so the film is, I, I thought it was just a bit... Um, Hagiographical. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think this is a bit like that as well, but I think... I, I don't know. I just think its focus on skin of a man works a bit better. Well, it's a lot of it's very interview based. Mm. They obviously had a lot of time with Dennis Skinner, and a lot of it is just him sort of um, holding forth on a variety of different topics, reminiscing about his life. He yeah. sings quite a lot in it. Yeah, and also do his brothers. <laughs> uh, they talk about how his his um, they were sort of inspired by his mother's singing. And there's quite a sweet little bit of uh, him and his brother sort of taking a walk in a garden. And he's yeah. like, his brother is reminding him of like the words to a slightly uh, risque song called The Tattooed Lady. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's just all Pretty these risque. rhymes about her tattoos located in different places. You, you can imagine the types of gags that such a premise <laughs> for a song would. Uh, nose? Um, I, I can't remember if there was one in the nose. 
I believe there was a ship of some kind located on her hips, but <laughs> so I, I can't can't completely remember. I remember watching that scene and just thinking this would sound really eerie with a kind of David Lynch soundscape background. <laughs> but that's just what comes from like watching Twin Peaks all the time. I mean, <laughs> isn't that true of any scene? Any, any <laughs> scene? Absolutely. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm. Pro- I don't know much about Dennis Skinner apart from his sort of um, you know great uh, calling him dodgy dave and like a sort of viral moments but uh, i think there's something that's a bit odd about the documentary and i guess it's got a it's a hard task to do because he's lived for so long that it's like the same thing doing a biopic you can't encapsulate you know a political career of 50 years in 90 minutes yeah Mm. so it can only pay lip service to stuff and i did find the stuff about the early 70s and his brothers and the councillors and strikes the most interesting Mm. Mm. but i think it's like something that's a bit at odds with the documentary form and the person is that he's so direct and straightforward and no and you know and just says what he wants to do but that like the documentary lacks an authorial voice it's very meandering mm. whereas Dennis Skinner the man is very direct what? i don't know if you know I, I don't know if that's really a major problem but i felt like there's yeah. like two sides of the man is like the sort of firebrand passionate dude and there's the sort of quite gentle nature loving singing guy mm. and for me it kind of like leaned a bit too much on, on the avuncular grandpa stuff <laughs> yeah yeah in a way which wasn't patronizing but just like a little bit like the twilight dennis skinner yeah yeah, yeah absolutely that's yeah. that's almost what i'm saying like as in the guy does have a formidable parliamentary record and i could have done with just a little bit of political meat if you know what i mean and and i read an interview with daniel draper the director i think that's that's his name right yeah um he, dan draper yeah <laughs> not no relation to the famous uh, fictional ad- advertising <laughs> lothario cool fucking name this guy this director of this uh, crowdsourced documentary yeah. <laughs> yeah um but i read an interview with him where he was saying that he wanted the film to be kind of timeless so he didn't want to um date it with references to uh brexit which dennis skinner supports um not in the same way people say corbyn uh, is a brexiteer corbyn voted remain dennis skinner did not and also corbyn himself actually uh there, there is hardly there is Very little corbyn. nary a mention of corbyn and i to be honest i you know i don't think that works i think these are issues that are on people's minds i don't think they're going away we'll be feeling the after effects of brexit for years to come and i think corbyn's going to be our next prime minister so i don't really see why uh why it was so imperative not to bring any light on on this whole kind of context that makes dennis skinner such an interesting figure in politics in 2017 yeah i felt like i was learning like basically a collection of tidbits from his career like kind of overview of the wikipedia page plus just spending time with him as a as a gent and i think what you said about feeling like the twilight of, of dennis skinner is is completely correct in that it's like it's almost unintentionally melancholic because there's all this stuff about all his like activism and like fighting thatcher so fiercely and mm. and stuff like that and even though he is just as full-throated now in his supportive socialism and in his ideals as he ever was the you you sort of i don't know if this is true or if it's just the impression you have in the documentary but you feel like the, the fire has gone out of him a little bit there's there's like there's like a bit in it where he uh obviously the dodgy dave bit is like quite recent mm. but there's like there's like a bit in it where he's he's speaking on some panel and he's recalling a time when he um 
outsmarted uh, Enoch Powell. Yeah, yeah. that's a brilliant Um, moment. And it's a great, it's like, it's a great uh, story that he tells about coming up with some genius parliamentary maneuver to snooker Enoch Powell, uh, who was trying to prevent stem cell research. Uh, But he tells it in this extremely, like, you, you know the the thickest rose tinted spectacles possibly you know and he actually tears up yeah. with pride at the at the memory of himself doing this and it's so drenched in the past you know yeah yeah and uh, see i actually think um this leads to something quite interesting because that vote was um he thwarted uh enoch powell's attempt to implement a total ban on stem cell research and i think dennis skinner kind of has an unfair reputation as kind of this old school bloke labor figure um you know the the kind of like masculine trade union archetype of labor days gone by that that can be seen on the left and the right of the labor party I I don't think this is the case, really. He's been um, an advocate of, say, LGBT rights long before um, most kind of more uh, metropolitan... (laughs) <laughs> labor <laughs> labor mps uh, not 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 including people like corbyn who've always uh, supported that but um but yeah and, and he he's always been extremely socially progressive um there are certain things like uh, his support for brexit that can lead you to think um okay maybe he is a little bit little bit different to um the kind of you know a lot of leftists you'd meet now but um at the same time you know that I, I honestly I honestly don't think uh, I'd voted remain but I don't think voting leave is an innately reactionary position uh, just not the right choice at that time I think and and yeah so you, you do you do get these uh, I guess these reminders that that Skinner isn't quite this kind of uh, almost stereotype that he's developed into in the public imagination yeah yeah well I, I thought I thought that it kind of countered part of that stereotype around uh old-fashioned socialists because i think that you imagine them like as these guys yeah just yelling in meetings Mm. who are you know very brusque and uh you know stuck in their ways or whatever and he's just he comes off as a as this sort of gentle friendly you know guy who who is just you know kind to everybody they have some they have some slightly amusing little clips of uh interviews with his constituents so they're just like he always dennis is always comes around and he's very nice (laughs) he always remembers who i am and he's he always says hello and i love you know yeah although although actually it's worth saying at the 2017 election his majority i think might have decreased or or they thought he was gonna go didn't they yeah they thought they they thought he was actually gonna be uh yeah initially thought they were, uh, he was going to go but, but he, um, yeah he, he kept his seat uh just not um with the kind of same level of votes as many mps got around the country so i mean i i, I don't know why that is but i i thought that was one thing the film is sort of like oh everyone in bolsover they loves all dennis. love dennis everyone yeah. votes for him and it's like well you know I think... it the, yeah there's like there's a part when like i'm guessing one of his like assistants talks about how um weird noise came through the uh sorry had a bit of feedback there um where um they're talking about even like kind of like people who traditionally vote tory in the constituency like still vote dennis because it's dennis and it's, yeah. as you say it's just like yeah it's not necessarily again it's sort of 
not necessarily the case. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I just don't think that's... Uh, I mean, there might be a, an anecdotal grain of truth to it, but I don't think it's really uh, statistically that borne out. Yeah, exactly. From, from a documentary called Nature of the Beast, I was expecting a more fearsome guy. Yeah. It's like ironic that it's called Nature of the Beast. The beast in question being a mouse or a sort of... <laughs> Look at this beast. How about a tree? Yes. <laughs> I, I, Look at him. I think you're right to say, though, Sam, that it um, it does refute this kind of stereotype of him as just this kind of fucking bruiser. Um in terms of his him as a person, yeah. but I don't think it does enough to do that um, in terms of his politics. So you still get the sense uh, of just this kind of like um, this sort of working man's trade unionism when he's he's always been you know a passionate anti-war activist. Like I say, always supported LGBT rights. Uh, he's always uh, you know been in favour of stuff like stem cell research, uh, as evidenced by the Enoch Powell episode, but. I think it doesn't show quite enough how he's still like that. He yeah. still turns up to the rallies. Uh, I, I, no, I think I think they they probably do mention this. To be fair, but um, there was this great uh, thing that happened on the nineteenth of July this year. So the day before my birthday, um, they um, lovely present where um, basically <laughs> you know, Lord Sainsbury donated a bunch to the Blairite Group Progress on my birthday so uh, thank thank you for that his his final donation to progress probably yeah yeah he said he was stopping and uh, richard angel actually director of progress uh, says that they might uh, run out of money before the end of the year <laughs> that would be your christmas present yeah that would be fucking superb <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway um there was there was this protest in parliament of a bunch of disabled activists protesting against the government's cuts to disability benefits and uh, they couldn't they couldn't get in like they were just they were they wanted to uh, get into parliament to do the protest but like the security weren't letting them in so john mcdonald came along let them all in helped them get past security um and then, yeah, Dennis Skinner came out and joined them, talked to them, um, you know, and when MPs come out and join a protest like that, it brings some attention to it because the cameras start to point that way. And uh, and, and credit to Jeremy Corbyn and to Caroline Lucas as well for joining that demo. But, yeah, it's Skinner is still at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he didn't do his traditional heckle during the uh, opening of the Queen's speech in 2015, because he was so preoccupied with making sure the SNP didn't steal a seat. <laughs> really? He said... Bastards. Because, you know, every every time uh, there's a Queen's speech during yeah, that yeah. ridiculous ceremony with fucking Black Rod walking along, just some poncy shite, like... Um, Black Rod. Black Rod. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they cover that in, in Nature of the Beast. They got they a little do. clip of his highlights. Yeah. His he, heckle highlights. He, he, always, he always tends to heckle with some pretty funny stuff. But in 2015, there was this new burst of SNP MPs who were all sitting on the benches where he tends to go. So he had to get up at 6 a.m. Uh, like before 6am I think he said trek out there and make sure he got his seat so he was just fucking dead tired and didn't <laughs> couldn't think of anything to say what, what Scottish guy's gonna take Dennis Skinner's, Dennis Skinner's, Skinner's seat some prick yeah like what an arsehole do you think there's like Mary a weird Black, like, take Dennis Skinner's seat <laughs> this sort of weird thing where you know he obviously started that heckle as a way to disrupt the ceremony and like yeah. you know because that kind of pomp and circumstance is reactionary yeah but uh, but it now is. it's just part of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit weird now. It's like you know everyone just expects yeah. it. They all laugh, you know, and then they just get on. He should he should be escalating. 
He should be Kill the queen it, <laughs> it should be yeah, He should be saying More outrageous stuff He should be throwing shit On the floor Just get up and chuck A yeah. fucking grenade Across the aisle Lynch chuck Prince George Yeah Think of a shit About his first day at school <laughs> Prince George is a little Fucking lizard Exactly yeah. That's Exactly kind of Not yeah. a good impression but I'm sorry um, Dennis Is that <laughs> Oh no it's just, It was just Jack That was, that was tough But despite we spent a, Quite a lot of time Saying how it doesn't Sum up the man Like Completely I say yeah. this as somebody Who doesn't really know But yeah. I just felt It was a bit m- More avuncular Than it needed to be But yeah. is it like A sort of I mean it really Past the time It's very I'd gentle say, I would say tank It's, it's like for watching. the fans Basically you yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, if, you, exactly. if you're not already Interested in it You probably won't Get that much out of it But if you are interested in it You, you know it's There's a lot of Like cool material in there but There's a bunch of Screenies coming up If you there's a, The movie has a website Which I don't have In front of me But it's something like DennisSkinnerFilm.co.uk um, and they have various screenings coming up, uh, including one with Dennis Skinner himself. You can catch Ooh. it uh, at the Odeon Covent Garden on the 19th of September. There's going to be a Q&A with him. You can try to make him cry thinking about his past in person. <laughs> That'd be quite odd because the film itself is sort of a Q&A with Dennis Skinner. It is, yeah. Like, so, <laughs> what double... cues did not get aid during this film? Uh, you can double bill Skinner. Yeah. Tom, you donated to it, didn't you? Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was about. I think it was like ten pound. I put forward to it, so it was in the special thanks section and stuff. And I think there was a few. There was a few people that like names are recognised in there. Uh, Stephen Smith. Oh, oh yeah, really? The, 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 the legend Stephen Smith. Follow me on Twitter <laughs> recently. Pretty proud yeah, of it. It was nice. uh, got the got the Stephen Smith by much covered head. Cool. Um, so how many hammer and sickles? Uh, <laughs> real politic. Maybe maybe, maybe three. Um. Out of five or out of five, uh, yeah, hundred. <laughs> <Could, could we, laughs> out of a hundred, yeah, it's a terrible. Uh, no, I, I like yeah, it. I three hammer and sickles shocking, sad and tragic. Uh, no, um, no, I'd, I'd say if probably three hammer and sickles is fair. It's three hammers, three and a half sickles. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Sam. Sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, I was just making more hammer and sickle gags. Don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> Could we? Um... Sorry, the connection's getting quite bad, so kind of getting a bit of feedback. So every time I speak, so sort of, I can hear oh, it on no, that side. Annoying. So sorry for this bit of stirring every now and then. But um, yeah, uh... <laughs> Tom. Oh, no, no. Do we start, Tom? Should, should we just talk for a minute about like Dennis's like cultural uh, tastes, his preferences um, in terms of music and film? Well, I was. You guys watched this uh, movie before I did, mm. and uh, mentioned it briefly on your most recent uh, episode, or yeah, uh, yeah, the most recent one, and um, uh, that he sort of loved Woody Allen, and that he played this <laughs> clip of him talking about how much he loves Woody Allen's films. Yeah, and I was like. I wonder how they're going to fit that into the movie. And it turns out there's basically no context for it. It's just like, <laughs> and now Dennis Skinner will talk about Woody Allen. Well, basically like, just all this like really smooth jazz starts playing. And I was just like, oh, this sounds uh, it a, like something yeah. from a Woody Allen film. And then they were showing all these black and white shots. I was like, wow, okay. As it's suddenly taken this stylistic detour into, mm. into Woody Allen land. Um, <laughs> And and then yeah, just Dennis was like, I don't think there's a Woody Allen film I haven't seen, <laughs> which is also true of Danny. One of the ways in which uh... one of my me and Dennis Skinner are very similar. 
First of all, my mining background. Secondly, yeah. <laughs> my love of Woody Allen. Well, yeah. so you both, love of you, some of his stuff. Both you, you and Dennis Skinner have had to suffer through the last 15 years. He did years. identify the two good the modern good ones. ones. He and, did, and, yeah. Paris, Paris and Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine so yeah. it makes me feel his taste is on point. He wasn't like, oh, that cafe society. Incre- <laughs> incredible <laughs> piece of work. Loved it. <laughs> the curse of the Jade School. I don't want the wax nurses. The curse of the Jade School. Where's he from? Where's he from? Scoops and underrated. I can only do uh, Game of Thrones accents. People mainly know him from uh, the Big Brother uh, voiceover that he used to do. (laughs) (laughs) My favourite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen but she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her but she beats them in the end. We've briefly travelled into the future leaving Tom and Jack in the past to (laughs) to review it. People are like, you gotta see it. I was like, I gotta see it. They're like, you've gotta see it. You gotta see it. Got got to see it. I saw it. What do I think of it? I'll let you know. We'll we'll discuss in a moment. So it is the adaptation of the famous Stephen King novel, super long Stephen King novel, which is in two parts about a gang of kids and a gang of all the, the adults who are the children all growing up, uh, fighting a demonic creature in a small town. And this is an adaptation solely of the child part of it and is to be followed by you know the, the grown-ups coming on later in 27 years time once the child cast of this film has grown up it is directed by andy muschietti who just had a slightly trouble production right it was carrie fukunaga at one point and they recast it himself a bunch of times yeah it itself but uh it eventually ended up with andy muschietti and uh stars bill skarsgård as uh, the pennywise the clown it's demonic monster and a bunch of kids one of them is the kid from stranger things which i haven't watched doesn't matter who the kids are don't worry about it don't worry about the kids it's not so. a very starry cast here is a clip from the beginning of the movie little georgie in his lovely yellow coat is running after his little boat <laughs> in the rain his little boat goes down a little storm drain and he meets a little little friend down there here's a clip oh. hi georgie What a nice boat. Do you want it back? Um, yes, please. You look like a nice boy. Do you want a balloon too, Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the dancing clown. Now we aren't strangers, are we? I should get going now. Without your boat? Here. Take it. And then he gives them back the boats. And, and then, then they, they go for ice cream. He goes, they go for ice cream. Yeah. And it's a sort of gentle kind of mumblecore film. <laughs> about How about an unemployed clown? Um... Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, re- I really liked it. Me too. I liked it. It was good. It's, a, um, it's something of a... It's both like a throwback and feels quite fresh in the sort of current climate of blockbusters in that it's a mainstream horror adventure movie where all the protagonists are kids and none of them are famous. And it's also very well done. I would describe the movie, this might be praising with fate damning. or Damning with damning. damning. Praise, praising with fate dam. <laughs> praising with fate dam. But it's a very functional movie and it basically it all works in a way which uh, sometimes is a little blunt but effective in that all the kids have a little, they have a defining fear and they've obviously got to face their fear and everything that's set up in act one pays off in act three. And uh, 
there's something very pleasing about the final act where it has all been teed together. You know, they've had a plan and it's been executed. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, and also the fact that they're kids, I think is, uh, you know, it's it's hard not to root for them, and they're all very likable. It's a, it's a really well cast movie actually. The kids are all excellent. Like they're really good actors, and they have good sort of child chemistry together. And I think that the real achievement of the movie is having that feel of being an old fashioned style of film without feeling like it's cynically playing to nostalgia. Yeah. So it's sort of is following on from the success of things like Stranger Things, but it doesn't feel like you have to have this library of references in your head to get it, you know? Maybe because it's based on a very famous existing property, so it doesn't feel like it needs to bend over backwards to, like, evoke other things. It's just adapting a story that is already quite well-known. Well, it's it's almost like it's the source the other things have adapted it from, because the quintessential 80s movie is Stand By Me, which is also a Stephen King short film about... Uh, youths in the 50s riding bikes around suburbia um and that original it story is because it was released in the 80s so the flashback 27 years ago is the 50s and the 80s are sort of the 50s culturally and now the noughties are the 80s yeah Um, (laughs) yeah so yeah like you say it's not like it's got these winks and nods and you know referencing other films is that is just the setting well i made this uh rather flippant remark to you when we sat down to watch it which was like which 80s classic is going to open this movie to remind us we're in the 80s and it didn't happen <laughs> yeah yeah so because uh, i just assumed they would they would go down that easy route and they didn't do it so i was like oh you know it's not not that kind of movie yeah and it um retains i haven't read the book but it has that Stephen King thing, which I've just gleaned from other adaptations of it's very character focused and it's like an adventure horror movie, which is quite an mm. interesting genre in that like the kids are they're not like passive, even though all this stuff is happening to them. They've kind of got a plan and they've got a lot of agency. Well, that's what's and cool it, about like the sort of main the main kid, Jake yeah. Lieber Hare's uh, child is that he is like driving things forward all the time. Yeah, and it's not just, uh, they're not just sort of cannon fodder for cheap deaths. Yes, yeah, yeah. If you were going to be unkind, you could say, well, there is like the black one, the Jewish one, the fat one, but I think they've all got a bit more than... Yeah, their... well, they are certainly a kind of collection of types. Yeah. I, I actually think you could probably make that criticism best in the uh, the, the girl one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're all boys. There's one girl, Beverly, who's like, I don't know if she's older than them or just because, you know, uh, puberty hits girls earlier, so she looks older yeah. than them. Um, but she is kind of sexualized by the movie and uh, or at least like all the boys fancy her obviously but also like the men in the town fancy her and like and I, I think it's a sort of holdover of one of the more retrograde elements from the novel but they have not sufficiently expunged in the movie there was a vulture piece that you sent me about this where they were comparing the final product to uh, Carrie Fukunaga's script and how that had toned down some of the um, elements around her like blossoming sexuality which the movie left in um, and there is that famous like uh, adolescent orgy scene in the in the book, which they wisely avoided doing. But I think like <laughs> some of that strange attitude that is obviously present in the novel has not entirely escaped the movie. So yeah. it, like, and I was a bit, I was rolling my eyes a bit when there is a kind of damsel in distress thing. That yeah, I just yeah, felt, yeah, that's like, true. You know, tired, inevitable, like bullshit. Yeah, I think the um the horror is really well done. It's kind of like a sort of. Uh, God, I'm trying to avoid some sort of clown metaphors and circus metaphors here, but it's like a kind of fun house ghost train kind of movie. And because the conceit of the movie is that it preys on fear, so it's trying to terrify you, it's a bit like it builds in this idea that the director is using every trick at his disposal to scare the audience in the same way it is using every, you know, malevolent thing at his disposal to scare the kids. Yeah, yeah. So even though it's a very sort of stock 
list of like jump scares, creaking doors, shadows and stuff. It's all done with a lot of panache and uh, it's just very willingly done. And I think Bill Skarsgård is like brilliant in it. Fantastic. Yeah, he's really as, good. Um, Pennywise. And it's a bit like I I watched a bit of the Tim Curry version, which a lot of reviews have compared it to, which I didn't see. Apparently this TV movie is quite a seminal film if you were around to be terrified by it when it came out. And I don't know if I'm fully equipped to make this comparison, but it reminded me a bit of Jack Nicholson's Joker to Heath Ledger's Joker. And the one's like a sort of old man kind of gangster clown. Yeah. And it's obviously the kind of actor doing a performance. And whereas Bill Skarsgård's performance is more of this sort of force of nature, more like in that Heath Ledger vein of like terror. And I think it's a real, um, it's a really brilliant piece of character design. And uh, Jenny Bryant's like weird Victorian rough, the makeup, all the CGI, yeah. every the the whole team who created that look is kind of amazing. Yeah, Jenny Bryant, who's uh, most famously the costume designer on Mad Men, in which she also did a spectacular job. But you're absolutely right; the, the design is the design is really brilliant. And uh, yeah, it's a conceit that gives like that deliberately gives this kind of blank canvas for them to kind of do what they want onto. Yeah, and it it, it makes the gives the movie kind of an episodic feel. Because in each scene, you're like, what's the next it thing going to be? Where's the clown going to come from this time? And, you know, and there's always some fresh idea. And the visual effects are extremely well done in the movie. And I think that because it has that slightly routine quality to it, it isn't really that scary. But that almost makes it a more entertaining movie because it's not really, doesn't really want to put you through the ringer that much. It's like mainstream entertainment. Yeah. And it's, it is more about, it's like treading that line between like fun and you know scariness yeah it won't it won't disturb you you won't you know stay up at night thinking about it it. exactly it'll shock you in the moment and then like the moment it's over you're like yeah Yeah, it just like creeps you out a bit but it's it is because it's familiar in the sorts of ways in which it's doing it because it is that collection of like you know what they're basically cliches that it's doing but it's doing it with such fun and verve and you know pulling everything off in an interesting way and like because it's all built around bill skarsgård's great performance it's like you just kind of enjoying being along for the ride and, I, and one of the things i really liked about it that i wasn't necessarily expecting is how much personality comes from the villain by the end yeah that uh it's not just that he's you know takes different forms and it's like you know incredibly terrifying or whatever but like by the end of the movie he's like a developed character almost yeah, yeah. and uh yeah i was really was really enjoying it i also think uh this is like a slightly smaller point but the the movie has like a few moments where i feel like if they weren't kids it wouldn't be nearly as good like one of the characters has this like badass kiss of line which i think would be like very lame if it was like bruce willis or somebody but like because of the little kid it's kind of badass and i was like really on board for this sort of like this is my hero moments yeah i think that that means the the sequel has a bit of a job to do you know without the charm of it being about children i think it's going to be inevitably a very different tone to the movie and it'll be interesting to see how they do that uh, yeah yeah i would say like it's not a sort of masterpiece that it but it is as you say just a relief to watch a film where you feel like you're in capable hands and it just you know entertains you and doesn't leave a sour taste in the mouth <laughs> yeah i would say it's probably the if it still counts as a summer blockbuster it's like the best one of the like this and like get out in terms of sort of massive mainstream yeah um genre movies yeah i, think I would say like those are the two true. i've enjoyed the most this year uh, so go see it. Go, s- <laughs> hey, hey, go see it. Wow, that title really lends itself to incredibly good jokes. Yeah, yeah. And now back into the past. When Ralph heard something that changed his life, what he listened to. Film when John Cusack. 
Prozac made a mixtape for his future wife. What did she listen to? And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? And when Tim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough, which record did he choose? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have been having some technical issues and it seems that we have lost Tom. So if he doesn't, he may or may not reappear. We're not sure. There's connection problems. Hopefully we can get him back. But if we can't, we'll just, you know, I'll write to him and include any statements he wants to make in the episode description if he wants to provide a statement. Excellent. I, w- I will make sure his uh, his voice is included. Don't erase Tom's voice, oh, guys. I, I didn't want to erase Tom. Do All not right. sideline Tom's non-moderate voice. Yeah. As I'm a foster, he's a foster, and <laughs> it's important to me that fosters are included. Why could we, couldn't we get a Dawn Foster on for this episode? Just to Fuck. foster this shit. Why up? don't we have a foster app? <laughs> Why didn't I ask Dawn Foster? <laughs> Mr. Trick there. One day. So, Peter Strickland, who is... Oh, Tom. Tom, Tom might have rejoined the hangout. Is he hanging out? Except. Hey, Tom, you back? Tommy? Tom? Tom. Okay, well, Tom but, may or may not be hearing. Yeah. The thing is, I reckon he's seen some Peter Strickland films and I haven't. Oh, oh shit. Fuck. Yeah. Why isn't Tom here? Fuck I wish he were Tom. Tom. Quick, text him to get demand him a, an opinion about Peter Strickland. <laughs> I could just get him on the phone and hold him into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so should I call Tom for the final section? I demand demand to know. Yeah, sure. Just, just. Uh, well, I don't know if that's actually going to work. Yeah, to be honest with you, it'll probably sound terrible. It, <laughs> it might probably sound terrible, will, yeah. Um... Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> well, well, you just pretend that you are Tom. Hi, hi, guys. I'm Tom. I've got a very soft voice. <laughs> hey, Tom. <laughs> let me tell you about the new Peter Strickland movie. Oh, I love Peter Strickland being the director. <laughs> no, undrops you immediately, Tom. <laughs> I love Peter Strickland. I love all his films. Excellent. He made films such as The Duke of Burgundy Great and uh, Barbarian Sound System. Studio. Barbarian Sound Studio. Barbarian Sound Studio. <laughs> Getting it confused with LCD Sound System. Yeah, no, so that was the uh, fan-made film I made, <laughs> combining <laughs> Barbarian Sound Studio with LCD Sound System's latest album. But he's got a new film in production. It is called In Fabric, and it sounds brilliant. It's got a very high concept concept uh, <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be set against the backdrop of a busy winter sales period in a department store and follows the life of a cursed dress as it passes from person to person with devastating consequences and he's teaming with Andy Stark who produced the Duke of Burgundy and is also Ben Wheatley's producer and also with the BFI and everyone is uh, super excited to work with him because I, he is Tom a very Foster, exciting certainly am excited Tom which Peter Strickland films have you seen of the two films he's made <laughs> I've seen both of them have you he may have made another film as well actually oh yeah has he made more than two I've seen that too <laughs> okay what that one was called the less famous one the less famous one but um <laughs> I'm excited for it but I think In Fabric is not the best title for a movie about a cursed dress and I feel <laughs> that he's missing out a lot of great garment based death puns yeah how many <laughs> how many did you come up with I haven't come up with very okay. many I'm, come, these are all terrible let me just how many have you got um uh six Jesus Christ alright I got some I got some ground okay. to make up here they're all varying quality alright you read them out and I'll just automatically laugh while my brain is working on coming up with more okay so I think you should have called it dress to kill dress to kill nice <laughs> or 
Uh, thank you, Jack. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Tom. <laughs> thank you, Tom. Or um, Def Cloth. Def Cloth. What is that a play on? <laughs> no, it just sounds just sounds funny, doesn't it? Okay, all right, okay. Def Cloth. Def Cloth. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, shock Frock. Oh shit! I had a similar one. I had Frock if, Horror. If, if they, uh... <laughs> no, that's good. That's even better. That's if it. I'm thinking of the methods in which the the dress causes misery. Oh, this is electrocution. Electrocution. What about dress? It's like a cross between deaths and dress. 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 And uh, absolutely unpronounceable. Clever. It sounds like some kind of Lovecraftian <laughs> horror from beyond space and time. The dreaths arise <laughs> from uh, the earth's core. I've also got drown gown. If it drowns you, and it's a gown. Now that's, yeah, it drowns you. Okay. <laughs> Hurt skirt. <laughs> These are all of a similar pattern. And finally, fashion aside. Oh yeah, fashion aside, that's fashion good. Aside. Yeah. Much better than fabric. Um, this is what I came up. In addition to frock horror, I've got a gown called Malice. Nice. And this isn't good. She's a dyes ten. <laughs> she's a dyes. She's a dyes ten. It's like size ten, dress size, but the word dyes, which is a sort right. of horror word. Okay. That one's a work in progress. All right, but you don't get to judge me after some of your. Some of up to death cloth. What about murder <laughs> clothes? Murder clothes. <laughs> murder clothes. It's a real monkey tennis answer. Though. Yeah, no, no, that's that's good. I think murder clothes is good. That's gonna be my next film. <laughs> Jack Frayne read murder clothes. Kickstarted. <laughs> well, you can collaborate with Tom in his knowledge of Peter Strickland's films, and I'm sure the pair of you can produce a. Uh, Film that's just as good, Jack, but with a much better title. I, Tom, would love to play the lead in your exciting-sounding film. <laughs> a very enthusiastic response from Murder Tom. clothes. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much, Real Politic, for being on this episode. Thanks for joining us. I'm sorry that Tom can't actually be joining us physically now. But, but what would he say if he was here? Thanks, guys. It's been great. Have a good one. That is very... That's, thanks. That's very sweet. That's very, very sweet. Nice. Very kind of him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks Thanks for coming on, Jack. Oh, no problem. It's been good. And you had to check out, you know, much further than, than either of us did. Well, maybe a similar amount to Danny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. um. Oh, that's cool. No, no, no. I was, I was happy to, to do a bit of research and, uh, you know, bring whatever I have to bring to the table. No, you brought it. Well, you <laughs> 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 brought hell to the nerds. Sorry, I'm not, yeah. that's not you guys. That's, uh, I don't know, your listeners or something. <laughs> Sorry, what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a you know drill. No, sorry. I'm you. You know you're in this sort of matrix of like left wing Twitter, which I'm like completely <laughs> oblivious to. Drills more kind of like weird Twitter generally, not so much left Twitter. You must have seen some drill tweets. At, in your wind. time. Oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's got he's got one where it's like I've got defibrillator paddles strapped to both ass cheeks, and I'm ready to bring hell to the nerds. So it was a reference. I wasn't just uh, just being mean to you guys, <laughs> no, calling all. you nerds, especially when I also run a film podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. So what what's what's coming up when it's when it's back to just the core? Uh, Mother, the new Darren Aronofsky movie, oh, which yeah. apparently you have to see. And you'll, you'll remember point. where you are when you see Mother. Oh my god, we the saw trailer. a fucking great trailer when we watched it. There was a trailer for Mother beforehand, and it was like yeah. from a previous era of trailers where they have like the trailer guy like throughout. You know, but oh, like nice. the trailer guy is normally used for like comedies. I feel now mm-hmm. as a kind of ironic thing. Yeah, but he was. It was literally like you will remember where you were <laughs> when you saw. <laughs> Mother. The follow-up to the hit blockbuster, Noah. 
Yeah, exactly. Is it, it, was a, it wasn't a very Aronofsky's yeah. type trailer. Uh, yeah, it is Fallout Noah. Noah's my shit. Um, I haven't seen it. I liked it. Don't like that. It's, it's good. So we're gonna watch that. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll survive it. You know. Uh, it's not so intense that he kills you or whatever watch some other movies review them you same know, old same just, old shit just, just, hell yeah we just carry on it just think it doesn't stop 130 doesn't stop. We, it simply will not stop like Dennis it. Skinner just unstoppable <laughs> <laughs> I'll be listening uh, thanks oh, Jack thanks, thanks. thanks I, Jack I could say Tom. almost like um, Dennis Skinner if A. Ken Clark hadn't been sworn in earlier on the same day as him as an MP and B. Dennis Skinner actually wanted to take the title he would be the father of the house. And I think in many ways you guys are the father <laughs> of the fathers of the somewhat left-leaning film criticism community. Well, thank you. Wise, very at least. Much. Fathers for justice, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I so also what? don't have any uh, visitation rights for my kids. So. Yeah. <laughs> I know that was a joke, but... Well on the way to being a centrist Can be pretty deep, man, to be honest with you. Um, so, Jack, what, what what do you guys have coming up? Do you want to... Do you want to uh, yeah, plug. Plug, plug. away. We got uh, Outlaw by Nick Love, which we're going to do something on uh, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of that classic film that unfortunately got fucking canted when it came out. It is a shame that it got canted. Got yeah. canted. <laughs> um, and what about that uh, uh, FIFA movie? Oh, United Passions. Yeah, we'll be having our, our friend Jude, a sort of semi-regular guest on the show. You can find her at Jude in London. She'll be coming on to talk about that along with our mate William Kedjani. So I'm going to look forward to that. Um, that might even be our 40th episode episode who knows cool. but most of all i'm excited for our uh, radio play that we're putting together at the moment tim peaks farron walk with me <laughs> <laughs> a, a uh, bi- bio not pick bio audio of, of the uh, life and tragic political death of former liberal democrat leader and fearless campaigner against the gay frog menace tim farron is this going to adopt the uh, eerie lynching quality of tom's uh, tim farron videos it absolutely is oh because tom's not here should we shout him out as a filmmaker yeah yeah tom has uh, produced a couple of um videos that uh, won labor the election in the general <laughs> election they're <laughs> yeah, pretty much solely responsible for labor's election victory which is the result of the election uh and um jeremy Corbyn being prime minister now and everything yeah he's why uh, so <laughs> we owe a lot to tom for that uh there's a couple of um uh tim farron videos a, a lot trilogy of, oh a trilogy of three of them yeah. yeah there's one about Theresa may there's one about the uh, tory I think backbencher Greg Knight uh, and they are all fantastic and I highly recommend you go and look up the moment on our Twitter page at real underscore politcast um, which collects all of them together alright and cool. with that another episode of this <laughs> podcast comes to an end <laughs> um, yeah thanks again for joining us Jack and um, you know, good luck in your week everyone thank you it's, thank you mm. Good. Speak to you. Speak to you soon. Find me on Twitter at Copland Resident. Oh yeah, are you giving yourself a w- out? Yeah, you, I've, I, I've, uh, you, you're I've outing yourself. Out of hiding. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you not locked anymore? I'm still locked, but people but you can just... you can chuck me a follow request. Uh, I've got like 40 of them built up because I just don't recognise for people. I'm like, what if they're from Guido Forks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.
You know, these hamburgers are quite similar to the ones they have at Krusty Burger. Oh, no. Patented Skinner Burgers. Old family recipe. For steamed hams. Yes. Yes, and you call them steamed hams despite the fact they are obviously grilled. You know, one thing I... Excuse me for one second. Of course. Oh, well, that was wonderful. Good time was had by all. I'm pooped. Yes, I should be. Good Lord, what is happening in there? Aurora Borealis. Uh, Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of day, in this part of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen. Yes. That's it? No. Seymour, the house is on fire! No, Mother, it's just the Northern Lights. Well, Seymour, you are an odd fellow, but I must say, you steam a good hand.